subscribe to Agenda. Welcome to the Pot of the Dragon podcast. This is a reaction podcast to episode seven of HBO's House of the Dragon. We just watched an episode titled Driftmark, I believe. Spencer, what did you think? I'm nervous to say because the last time I said I had a favorite episode, it was your least favorite episode of the season. So let's just see what happens. It was my new favorite episode of the season. I thought the first three fourths was just marvelously artistically beautifully done and acted had some great scenes one after another had one of the first scenes in the series where i'd be had straight had me straight smiling ear to ear for like the entire five six minutes of it non-stop we were giggling and cackling we were so happy with some of the things that were going on and then it ended with a massive hoodwink that was legitimately surprising even as a book reader i was not expecting them to go that way and then pull that away and then do the other thing it was well done. I was I was uncertain what this episode was going to be from the very beginning. We kind of commented that these two episodes were kind of ambiguous to us. But I was legitimately surprised and impressed at every stage of the game. Um, I also love the episode. So we finally have a... Hey, it never happened before. I, I thought it was phenomenal. I will say, though, I always say, fuck the hot towers, hate the hot towers, don't like the high towers. I believe Ryan Condal approach this episode with fuck the book readers, hate the book readers, don't like the book readers because you know, we always as book readers get all high and mighty about like knowing what's going to happen next. They shifted a lot of things. They changed a lot of dynamics from the, from what I understood of the books. So um, it served as a legitimate surprise to me. This yeah. wasn't, it wasn't like, so like when Eamon took Vagar, Eamon takes Vagar in the books. I knew this was coming. Mm -hmm. I wasn't surprised at all. I was happy to see it. I loved the Vagar scenes. Um, but some of the stuff with Rhaenyra, Damon, Lenor, the Lenor death, big changes from death the books. Death and giant air quotes. Big changes from the books. So really, really fascinating. But here's what I liked about the, season, the episode is it basically was like four scenes or something. Um, but the, the, the pacing, the cinematography... The acting, I mean, I feel like Emma Darcy is just throwing heaters. I mean, she's, they are like Shoei Otani, just like bang, Emma Darcy hits a home run and then turns around and throws, you know, six strikeouts <laughs> to retire two innings. I mean, the fastball on Emma Darcy right now is incredible. And Matt Smith is is kind of changing how he's playing Damon. Damon is becoming more of an introspective, he's, more quiet character. Perhaps the character's maturing and he's representing that. <laughs> more wise and so the acting was incredible so i thought the, the episode was really really good i am i think we should just break down our thoughts about the episode the quality of the episode and then toward the end start to talk a little bit about if we liked some of the book to show changes or um or just where it went maybe we don't even have to do that but just where it went because keeping lanor alive was a very fascinating move that that it, really stunned me it, it we will need to discuss that in depth once we get to our full-length recap episode in terms of doing book-to-show changes because it is either a absolutely colossal change or it's, it's another example of the histories say what the histories say and now we're reading between the lines. Either of those could be perfectly well true. But in terms of okay. scenes, how yep. utterly happy were you to have the Vagar Amon first flight kind of scene or yeah let me so let me explain something to all the listeners please, so please. i am team black all the way everybody knows that yes till the day you but die. i love vega but i love vega you do now the biggest thing that happened this episode bigger than lanor's fake death and renera getting married to damon the biggest thing that happened was amon and the greens getting vega auto agrees 
that's the most important plot point, the most important military point, the most daunting foreshadowing thing that occurred. Mm-hmm. But I, I like, here's the thing. Cause I, I explained this on a review podcast a couple episodes ago. Maybe it's my belief. Vagar's not team black or team green or team any fucking thing. It's a dragon <laughs> and it doesn't want to be lonely. Mm-hmm. And it, it just had to torch its own writer. And Eamon was the first one that said, Hey, I'll be your buddy. Like, let's go. And did not, did not get scared. Didn't back down and presented itself as a legit, presented himself as a legitimate writer. And so I'm happy that Vagar has a writer. I'm happy that Vagar's not lonely. It's that basic for me for that dragon. Now, when you shift to talk about the military consequences of this, it's a massive shift of power to the group. It's a nuclear Huge. weapon in their hands now. They went from basically... The biggest. They, they went from two juvenile dragons to now having the biggest, most powerful, most scary, worst reputation dragon in the universe. Right. A, a dragon that even even Damon and Caraxes would need to be scared of. So it was a massive shift of, of power there. But I also love the... I think that we got better scenes with Vagar this episode as far as showing the, the sheer size oh, of Vagar. Oh, yeah, and the intimidation factor, too. I, mean, I also think we got the best dragon riding scene we've ever gotten as far as just the, the drone shots, the POVs, the sort of, like, the, the chaos of it. Because it, before, it's always sort of seemed like a pretty, like, almost getting on a horse-type deal. Kind of clean, safe, secure, all those kind of things. I, mean, I, I think episode the last two episodes have given us our best dragon riding scenes. Maybe not necessarily our best dragon scenes, but our best, best, best dragon riding scenes, but this one just knocked it out of the park. I mean, it, it, A, it was a wonderful work. It's a, it's a wonderful scene just in terms of characters, whatever else, but this is a work of filmmaking. It was beautiful. It was gorgeous. It was joyous. That was the scene where I was saying I was just ear to ear, just grinning and giggling. Me too. Because particularly, the, I was watching it with my girlfriend, and we were just laughing our asses off that Vagar was seemingly purposely putting Eamon through the ringer on his first flight, yeah, and that was just sure. great. That's 100% what was happening. Yeah. yeah. Vagar was, t- it, it was making ma- yeah because it's like look if you're gonna ride me let's test this like this is how it, this is how it goes and and Eamon held on Eamon didn't fall and he I, he took Eamon over the water when he was doing that stuff yeah. too by the way um, so I I just feel like there was a lot more cognition and a lot more thought from Vagar more than any other dragon to be seen except Drogon season eight so I've really I really enjoyed those scenes and I like that Eamon was able to claim Vagar for him. And for Vagar, not necessarily for Team Black. Um, were you expecting the duel? Were you expecting the duel to happen that quick in terms of Eamon losing his eye? In terms of yeah. right after the flight? Yeah, I was because uh, they, you know, because they're going to do a time jump next episode. Mm-hmm. So they, he had to lose the eye this episode. So I expected that. Um, couple questions for you, sure. Because well, here's a, here's a consistency concern that I have. Go on. I finally got the line. You did he, much later than expected, but it is here where the king. It, but, so in previous episodes, I've talked about how I always wanted. There's a line in the books where the king basically in front of court bellows to everyone. The next person that questions the parentage of my daughter's children, I will have their tongue. And he, in the book, he says, I don't care if you're royalty. I don't care if you're family. I don't care if you're male woman. I don't care who the fuck you are. Like he actually goes through the list. Basically, the list of all the attributes of Alice in Hightower. Yeah. I don't care if you're a woman. I don't care if you're royalty. I don't care if you're my wife. Like, basically. In, in, um, in this case... He didn't only, do all the... He, he, he didn't did. go quite that far in the show. He didn't. But the only people in the room were royalty, family, and everything else. So he was talking very directly to them. Very much. And, and you could tell that Alice took it as him talking to her as well. But here's what I didn't understand. Is that he bellows that remark. 
he's so angry at Eamon that he puts Eamon on the fucking, you know, on, on trial, on this trial here. But Aegon is able to just go, we all fucking know it. Look at him. And nobody says a word to him. Like the king doesn't even fire back at him. Like the disrespect from Aegon seemed to me to be out of balance with what the consequences that everybody else was getting in the scene. Anyone else even hinting at it was getting Viserys wrath. But Aegon was able to just go, "Ah, everybody fucking knows it. Look at them. They're a bunch of bastards. And the king just goes, oh, okay. Thanks for the answer. Well, I I think what happened there is effectively Aegon moved it off him to the room. Is that it was, Aegon was basically saying, everyone in this room thinks the same thing. So the king then directs his rage at the room. We get the line thereafter directed at the room. Aegon effectively kind of just swooped swooped out of the way and said, it's not just me, it's all the rest of us, so as to dilute the blame among the room in the process. That's probably what they were going... That's that's a good call, and that's probably what they were going for. It seemed to me that the way he said it was so disrespectful that, like, Viserys should have, like, put him on trial. But here's how I took that scene. That Aemon was sitting there, and the king said, who'd you hear it from? And he looked at his mom, and he clearly had heard it from his mother. Of course. And he made a conscious decision not to sell her up the river. So, and he said, ah, my brother. Because he knew Aegon could handle it. Because Aegon just gets beat up by everybody. Because that's the thing about Aegon that's so funny is that, like, he's, everybody's like, <clears throat> all the Greens are looking at him like, this guy's got a rule. Nobody respects him. But he's the him. biggest fuck up. He's the biggest fuck up of any of them. Yeah. Like, he's he's a bigger fuck up on anybody on Team Black or Team uh, Green. He's the biggest fuck up. You, you want the summary of the Green opinion of Aegon? Look at Otto this episode, just kicking him in the gut and hauling his ass up to bed. That's the Green opinion of Aegon, really for a while now. Um, but so can I say something? Please. Fuck the high towers. Hate the high towers. Don't like the high towers. When Otto said Alicent put the knife down, I got a chill up my spine, and I think it's because a the way that the the actor reigns ills or something his, he has a very funky I, name that guy the way he's playing him is we've talked about this he's more sort of um uh astute articulate sophisticated controlled. than i was expecting uh, controlled from the and regal than the uh, from the auto that i was expecting he also didn't talk a lot this episode but when he said because the king was screaming everybody's screaming he, for her to and stop. he just says it and a perfectly like, level voice the only, yeah, for me, and I feel like Allison, the only comment that really cut through all that chaos was was Otto saying, put the knife down. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like Allison really lost steam after he did that. Allison was still having some, she was, that was, a, I mean, the, you want to talk about actresses that have done wonderful on the recast. The actress playing Allison is doing an absolute great job, too. Necessarily carrying a she great She also won Twitter role. this week with a very risque lingerie ad. I don't know if you saw that, but uh, she was trending for like three straight <laughs> days. It's like this actress and and a new episode of uh, House of the Dragon. She just won Twitter. Our, just won. our friend Doug will be so happy to see his queen in that particular form and manner. I know. Oh, uh, for sure. Um, but it, I, it was a wonderfully done scene. I love that we are, we've been discussing the resentment that was in Alicent and to what degree that was motivating her actions and her particular, you know, bearing with respect to Rhaenyra. And they just laid it out and it was delightful. It was delicious. Wonderful back and forth between the two. I, I mean, we could, we, could, we could gush about every scene of this episode. I love the first 15 minutes for just how awkward it was. I did too, and how they they let that scene go longer than they, I thought they, they would. They and held I loved it. it. They, they they held it so long before it was characters walking past each other, wanting to say something but being afraid to do so. And they did that with every single character. It seemed was just walking past, not having the conversation they just want to have. But who's the one that makes the conversation? That makes the effort to actually break the ice? Viserys going over and trying to talk to his brother. 
And I, I love that too, that it's he's the first one of all of this room of people that are afraid to make the first step, afraid to talk with each other, afraid to show some weakness, whatever else. Viserys hobbles over, one-armed, barely able to stand, and, you know, greets his brother and tries to make amends. Because that's what Viserys do, whatever else you want to say about the guy. So. Damon was rude to every single person he encountered this episode except Rhaenyra. And I think that's going to be a, a trend because he was rude to he was rude to Viserys. Viserys he, came over to talk to him. And the only thing he said to him was, yeah, well, the gods have been too good to you. Like it, he was not warm. It, he he did not meet the he did not meet the tone that Viserys was what? going for. Viserys was going for comforting brotherly discussion. And, and Damon was a little bit more dismissive. And then also I had to put the, the subtitles on to see what he said to Otto. Where he's like, no matter how fat the leech gets, it always wants another meal. I love like, that oh, line. God. God. They were so, man, it's going to be hard to do best line of the episode. This was such a well-written episode in terms of the dialogue back and forth. There were so many delightful lines and pithy one-liners and everything else. I had kind of interpreted the scene between Damon and Viserys a little bit differently of where um, okay. Viser Viserys comes over, he offers comfort and, you know, whatever else. And... Damon responds back like, you know, a best, like a friend or a brother of where basically just kind of mocks him a little bit. And it didn't come across that severe. It came across as just more like, you know, playful poking like they did when they were kids. And almost like Viserys takes it the same way. And they and Damon kind of smiles at him and they have a good back and forth. But it occurs later of when Viserys then says, you know, come back to court. I'll give you everything you need. And then Damon shuts down hard. And my girlfriend said a good thing with respect to that is that Damon doesn't want to be needed. He wants to be wanted. And that's something he's never had until in, until Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra is someone that actually wants him. That's the first thing he's had in his life in that regard from his perspective. It's what he's always kind of desired. And so when the king offers him, you know, you, you know, the realm needs you. We can give you everything you need. It's not the conversation he all wants to hear. He just wants his brother to say, I want you to come home. And if he'd said that, that would have been enough. But it, it wasn't said. It wasn't until Rhaenyra that he finally has a hope of getting that. And even then, he is resisting a lot more than she is when it comes to that. Because he is a guy of many layers and a lot of pain, self-doubt, and conflict. Fascinating character they've laid out on the screen. That's a, I love, I really like your interpretation of that. The way that Damon snapped, like, I don't need, I don't need anything. Like, I like how you, you put that, which was that he didn't want to be needed. He didn't, no, he, he, he wanted to be wanted. He didn't want someone to take pity on him or to say like, Hey, you know, I know you're in trouble. You're in a bad, like a right. bad way or whatever. He wanted someone to go, Hey man, like we really want you around because X, Y, Z. Now, obviously Renera wants him around because you can like this. You cannot like this. That is absolutely your call. It is 100% your call as a viewer. And I think that Perfectly the showrunners so. want it to be your call if you like it or not. But Damon is Rhaenyra's one true love. You can like that or not like it, but that's how it's going to be portrayed. That's how it's been portrayed. They're now married. Uh, a very interesting wedding ceremony. A lot of, I, very, I don't really want to get married that way. You know, she's already lost a lot of blood from the cut. I don't know why they keep cutting each other. A lot of blood in this scene. Blood magic. Um, blood for the blood god. Blood. Fire and blood, fire and blood. All right, can I, I just want to ask you a question. Your interpretation, you, Mr. Spencer. Yes. Is that they did a switcheroo for us. They wanted us to think that Renera and Damon were planning Lenor's death, when in reality, everybody was in. Yes. That they were going to fake his death and Lenor was going to exit the situation. And that's what, and that's what occurred. That, that Renera did not want him dead. Renera wanted him to be able to 
alive exit the situation is that your interpretation go that is my interpretation very much i think that makes the most sense based on the events that we saw i think it's most in keeping with what we've seen so far of rhaenyra's character and it'd be too far of a swerve to just straight up murder a guy that she otherwise cares about and just you know that's what was fucking me up I was so fucked up 45 minutes into this I, episode because I, I, I thought she was ordering his death. I, I really did. I, I, was like, I, I was watching that going, really? I know he dies. I know he died because they thought one of his lovers in Parabors killed him. It's like, that's the interpretation they're going with that? It's like, mm, I don't know. I mean, I will see how they sell it. And then the last scene goes, oh, you clever bastards. That perfectly is in keeping. That is, that is now, I, now I've got a new interpretation of the text. Is that, I never particularly liked that, that he died in that manner, because it always just felt a little bit unin-keeping with a character that I otherwise found interesting or compelling, that he just died in such a disreputable state. This now goes, okay, I'm willing to accept that maybe, sort of, they just planned his death, so his, you know, he can real run off with his lover and be a soldier in the way he's always wanted to be. Rhaenyra can marry Damon the way she's wanted, and everybody's on the same page other than his poor dear god parents. Did you see the next on? You don't watch that, do you? I almost never do. So I did not. Okay. All right. Um, they were hinting in the next on that the sea snake might die. Well, we, mm, I would. I was very con- I was very confused. They, about the they've next been. Dawn. We can talk. We can talk more about that. In the, in they, the they've before. they've been hinting on the next dawns. I, I, I after you, after you encouraged me, I watched a couple. They've been hinting that Viserys is going to die since episode three. So you know they're fine. With I know the- I've really enjoyed because every time I talk to like my my mom or some people who don't really know the text that well, they keep going. Well, the king's going to die next episode. And I kept being like, guys, um, <laughs> Ch- it, it is. It, they they've been very clear. Um, that, that this is leprosy, and leprosy takes a very uh, long time un, to die from, so just... Uh, undiagnosed skin condition. I, uh, I'm i happy that Lenor lives. I am also going to reinterpret the text uh, that I, maybe Lenor escaped. Fun, I think it's a fun addition. I mean, it, it, the, the show is inviting us to do exactly what the books did. It's that history is written by individuals. It is not gospel. It is not certain... It is often people interpreting people that were writing years after the fact or had their own particular biases at play. And it is giving us a suggestion that the histories that we have are not complete or merely reflecting what information was available to put down. Nobody else would have known about this. There's no way they could have known. This could very well be how it played out in terms of the books or the book canon. But there'd be no reason whatsoever this would be written down. What, Mushroom's going to find out about this shit and write it down? No, they'd have him killed the moment he found out. Well, and also, you know, having Lenor out of the situation now almost almost stops the discussion of the parentage in a way mm-hmm. because he's dead and it's almost like he, he's not here to defend himself type deal. It'll be a little bit harder for the Hightowers to continue to push the, her- the parentage issue. I also think that you could view this episode through the filter of simply uh, staffing up mm-hmm. the greens and the blacks staffing up. What happened? Otto is back. Otto is hand. That's an addition for the greens, an immediate addition for the greens. They got Vagar. Amon, Amon takes Vagar. But over in the blacks, um, Damon is back in the situation and clearly embedded in the blacks. And also he they, they get Caraxes, which is the second biggest dragon in the whole everything right now. Bring, so brings it was kind of like, yeah, you could. Yeah. And, and the two children, which who could very well be dragon riders. And so what are you? you can kind of you can kind of look at them as. I look at the episode through the lens of just this prep for war and 
the sides sort of like bulking up their bench a little bit, which is sort of an interesting lens if you the episode through, I think. I think very much so. I think it definitely has that aspect going on to it. Did you see, were there any obvious weaknesses to you in this episode or were there any scenes that didn't strike you right? I've got one mild one that I can mention to start us off. Look, you're going to call me a prude. That's fine. Call me a prude if you want. Prude. I don't need five. I don't need five minute sex scenes. Prude. I find them. I find them boring. They don't do anything for me. They don't advance the plot. They don't. Was do, it even a minute? Nothing. Was it even a minute? It seems pretty long to me. Um, but maybe I maybe I'm wrong. But it seemed long, and I just don't need big, long, elaborate sex scenes. It, what, in these it shows. wasn't gratuitous. I, give it that. It was, none of not by, by the way none of them have they haven't done they haven't had they've had no nudity from any of the central actors so far which is something i think that they're going to change from game of thrones where they were obviously you know pushing some of their actresses to be to be nude or whatever and and there was always kind of a weirdness about that sure i don't think we're going to get that in this show but uh i so for me the 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 renera damon sex scene i could have done without they could have kissed and then done the morning after thing and i'd have been fine and then i would have had two or three more minutes of plot movement i would have enjoyed that that was a weakness for me um i would also say that well no let me ask you how about the scene where the children were fighting and Eamon loses an eye? Because that is a scene that was nothing but the child actors. You hate child actors. You're very clear I actually that. thought they what did. What did you think of that scene? I thought they did a well-done job of making it a child fight of where no one has the slightest damn clue what's going to happen and everybody's got tools by which they can hurt each other and none of the discipline to actually wield them. I actually found it a very effectively tense scene. They got rocks. They got knives. And none of them know what the hell to do to control their own anger in this particular moment. And I, I, these child actors have actually impressed me kind of uh, to, to a degree. I'd rank them in various ways. Some of them are doing better than others, but I think all of them are pretty solid. And I thought that scene was pretty effectively well played. I mean, once, uh, was it Luke or was it Jaceres that, um, cut, that cut Eamon's eye? I can't remember right now. Lucerys. It was Lucerys. Once he sliced his eye and we get, you know, him screaming on the ground, Br- Bridget and I had our jaws down. just like, oh shit, now it's down. I even know what's going to happen. And I'm still like, oh God, that's going to have repercussions. I, I thought I thought that was a well done scene. One scene I thought was just, it wasn't weak, both of the actors at the top of their game, but it was oddly repetitive, was the scene between the sea snake and Rainia. And Rainius. Because we already got that scene. We got that scene last, ep- or two episodes ago, when she was expressing concern to the sea snake about uh, them marrying their son in and about what was his reasons for doing it. And he literally says the exact same line to her about, you know, I did this because, you know, you had, had the realm taken away from you. Now, it progresses the conversation farther, but it's a hell of a lot of, a hell of, a lot of rhyme in that scene that felt, it felt like they had two different writers in those episodes and both wanted to get the same point across. I... I think that having the conversation twice shows that it is a constant point of conflict between the two. And I also think that, as you mentioned, they did progress it in a way that you actually did on the podcast. Like you talked about how you thought that it was his ambition, which I appreciate because it it needs to be. And I, I was always, I was on the side of saying that he was, he was truly pushing for his wife. And I don't think that now that I've seen that scene, I don't think they're going for that. I think they're going for, the bare truth is that the sea snake has ambition that goes above and beyond wanting to right the wrong that happened to his wife. And I, I think he legitimately believes 
that he's advancing his wife's interests, that that is the actual, that that is the reason. But I think she necessarily confronted him on, read between the lines, think about your actual subconscious motivations here. This is about your pride. Even the fact that it's about me is about your pride. That's a fair call out when it comes to the sea snake. Again, it was said about a Lannister, but it's perfectly true with the sea snake. That guy's pride has pride. Yeah, it was. Um, trying to think of any other scenes that we should discuss well, here. Well, I mean, what did you what did you feel about the scene of um, what did you make? Now we we kind of already covered the scene between Alice and Rhaenyra. I think I mean that scene was brilliantly well done. I think the actresses were excellent in terms of the process of it. I loved how Rhaenyra turned it on Alicent after after the blade's already out. I thought that was excellently well played. Um. I think that if you watch, if you're looking at that scene, Allison takes the L. Renera comes out looking pretty strong, in world yeah. from the other character's perspective, and I thought I loved the bow tie on it, where Otto comes in and basically gives a, an Atta girl like, "Hey, we're gonna need a lot of that spunk here in the wars to come." Like, Look, rain I like it what in, I saw there. rain it in, but. I like what I saw. And I, I actually like that because like, it, you know, from Otto's perspective, he's gearing up for war. He's gearing up for a war for Aegon to take the throne. Mm-hmm. He is not willing to, um, to see Rhaenyra as heir or, or go along with that at all. And he knows that that's going to require a lot of spunk, a lot of fight. And, uh, it also was kind of cool that it was true, right? In the sense that, Everything he was saying to her as far as, you know, what that side of you, we're going to need it. Mm-hmm. But I think there was also a measure of Allison was at her lowest point that we've seen he was, her. He was bu- bumping uh, her and up. And he was building her up again. Yeah. I, a little bit. And that was that was an important father daughter moment, because we, I think that scene at the gates of King's Landing, I think their relationship turned a little bit to more father daughter and less transactional in business. And he was sort of reinforcing that in this scene. I agree. I think I was very much a similar kind of vein there at the same time, also just giving her advice too about, yeah, yeah, keep it in check, hide your actual motivation, but I'm glad to know that you is here for us to bring to barracks. We're going to need it. It was a great, it was a good scene. Well, the scene I it think- was more than I expected. That, that whole, like she pulls the knife and tries to like, go <laughs> after the series. I, that, that there's nothing like that in the book. And I, I, I we, we obviously got, um, her with the knife and, and Renee holding trailer. an arm in, in some of the trailer. I didn't expect her to like just like go, go after. And by the way, a lot of things going on in that scene. She comes up with the knife. Renera is able to stop her physically and then gives her the speech. Hey, they, now they see you as you really are. But Cole makes a move. Like Cole is gonna is Cole gonna take that kid's eye out? Like and he, he refused. I got the impression that the only thing that stopped him was Damon stepped in and said. You have to go through me. And I think that Cole was not willing to cut down the king's brother <laughs> to do this. And then the king's guard stepped in also. But there was a moment where Cole was stepping in I, to do exactly what the queen had said, which, I, you know, if, know, if Cole's mindset is he he was willing to go to Lucere's, who's like eight in this scene, and take his eye out in front of everybody there, then we should all be scared of Cole. Well, I mean, when the queen asked him to do it, Cole refused. I don't know what Cole was about to do, but I'm very glad Damon stopped him because whatever it was, wasn't going to be good. But it's notable. I liked that when the queen demands that Cole cut out of his eye, he's like, you know, you are my sworn sword. And he says, uh, as your protector, it's like, even Cole's like, lady, come on, I'm in public. But right he now. does make a move. Like he, he makes goes some kind of move. Yeah. 
And Damon obviously feels like someone's threatened because he steps in to stop him. And Cole, I, I, I think we, we've established that Cole could take Damon, but I don't think he's willing to just cut him down right there in front of the king. Hard, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, he took Damon because Damon's cocky as shit. And it's a weakness that Damon's always going to represent. Um, but straight up fight, I couldn't be sure. The only other scene I don't think we've talked about. It's it. a good point because Damon did lose because of his cockiness, and they took great pains to show that. So I'm not sure who would win one v one. That's a good point, Spencer. Uh, what did you think of the last scene we had? Of I mean, we had Larry Strong just kind of staring creepily at uh, Allison throughout the entire episode. And the two I of them- howled. I howled laughing when when he said. Well, if it's an eye you want, I can. And she looks at him and her eyes no. get huge. And she goes, no, that no. won't be necessary. No. Like she learned her lesson Bad last dog. episode. Like, and I'm sitting here giving commentary to it, like Mystery Science Theater, right? And I'm like, I, as soon as he says that, I'm like, you better watch what you fucking say to that guy. You better watch what you say. Yo, you can't take it back when you say something I, to him. And she seemed to know that. She was like, no, 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 it won't be necessary. But uh, one day I'll probably use you. I, I had a very much a mindset of where this is Rhaenyra when she's pulling out a newspaper and a spray bottle and just spraying the dog right in the face to train him while beating his nose with the newspaper. Just like, bad dog, bad. No, no, no. Only when I tell you to. But hell, mm-hmm. at least he asked this time. That's a notable improvement over the last one. And by the way, uh, it's apropos of nothing, but it's something that just popped in my head. Um... Damon's child, the one that doesn't have a dragon rider. I don't I can't remember the young girl's name, but she is it, is bellowed it? at Eamon. That was my mother's dragon. That was mine to claim. And Eamon said, you should have claimed her. Yeah. It's like, like mm, I mean, like, I, 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 I don't like that Vagar's on team green. Of course I don't, but he's a hundred percent right. Yeah. It's like, like open up. You should have done it. He, the, literally the, the, the dragon was sitting there sleeping alone. You should have done it. I'm the one that had the guts to do it. So now, admittedly, I get vague Admittedly, she's had a shitty week. Let's be fair on that regard. You know, lost her mom. Yeah, but still. Grieving. But yeah, still. it was an op- It's a perfectly fair play on Eamon's part, even if it's a bit of a dick move. But what he then did. I don't think it's a dick move. Well, you know, beating the kids with rocks and pointed insults and calling people bastards and mocking their dead mothers. That's a dick move. No, none Taking of those Vagar, I do. Taking Vagar, I don't think, is a dick move. Damon, Amond also really wants a dragon. Like we've, he does. we've established that he personally has been struggling, hurt, teased, et cetera, et cetera. Like, this is his personal journey, too. So I, I think it's totally fair. Now, you're right. He was a dick when he was talking to the kids, 100%. You're right this is true about the Greens whenever they succeed. They're also still going to be dicks. It's just they can't help these things. So where would you place this episode in terms of the other ones? Is this top three for you? Top half? Bottom half? Oh, it's certainly in the top, uh, top couple episodes. I still think that the, the, the scene at the, the, the pre-wedding thing. Yeah. I know you love that scene. Yeah. To me was just peak entertainment television. But as far as like a soup to nuts episode, this might be the strongest one we've had. I'm with you. Um, I certainly was just, I I was edge of my, I mean, they have got us so locked in now. I mean, I, I was the entertainment value of the show has gotten sky high because they've kept the cast so small mm-hmm. compared to game of Thrones. And we're with them so much that it feels so heavy when something happens to them. I mean, even like Lena dying, you know, the end of grieving that was happening for that. I really felt that at the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that it was beautifully shot, beautifully written, beautifully acted. Oh, by the way, uh, we should, we should give a, a shout out last directed episode by Miguel Sapochnik in the Game of Thrones Hopefully not forever. Hopefully not forever. Please come back. It's forever. No, I refuse to believe it. We will need him for certain key scenes and battles and high quality ninth and tenth episodes of seasons in the future. 
I listened to his interview. I don't think he's going to, I think he's it, might be done and that's okay. There's plenty of people who can do it. There, it's fine. There are, but, uh, it's, I'm, a, it's a last, last directed episode by Miguel Sapochnik. It, Thank you if, for all of your additions. If it is, it's a hell of an exit. It's another great episode to add to his already wonderful canon. I fully understand his decision. The guy sounds all kinds of sort of burned out on this right now. And sure, please detox, rest, enjoy, enjoy doing something else for a certain while. And then, you know, consider coming back when you feel better. Yeah, what about you? Where would you place this episode? In top two. Maybe probably top one. I thought it was probably the best crafted episode yet. And, you know, I talked about the other episode I liked was basically, you know, before sunrise set in King's Landing and just in terms of, you know, Rhaenyra and Damon out on the city and everything else. This episode took wonderful filmmaking scenes from everywhere else and added in some wonderful dialogue, plot movement, and some truly awe-inspiring scene work attached to it as well. So... It's an improvement even over that for me. I, The show continues to impress me, uh, and whatever problems I have are quibbles that we will discuss in detail once we get to the full recap. I think that's a good place to end it tonight. So thanks, everybody, for listening. We have just reviewed these are immediate thoughts of Episode 7. Driftmark, we will be back with you Tuesday or Wednesday sometime in that time frame to do a full review. We'll go beat by beat through the episode, discuss everything about it, do book to show changes, and really get into some of the book to show changes this week because this was uh, really, really heavy in how book readers are going to have to either reassess or look at this as completely different canon. So that's going to be a, a lot of fun to really talk about this week. So thanks everybody for listening. I enjoyed the episode. Spencer enjoyed the episode. Finally, you have one where the both of us we'll are in agreement that we're both happy this again. week. We're both happy. So I'm sure you're just going to get two and a half hours of nothing but positivity from us. <laughs> into the week. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. And we will see you in a couple days. days.